Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Fish Bites, the Miami Herald's Miami Marlins podcast. I'm Jordan McPherson. He's Andre Fernandez. How are you doing, Dre? I am good, my friend. We are, uh, we're at that point now where uh, baseball season is uh, roughly two months two months left in the regular season. Unfortunately for this team that we podcast about, it's uh, there's some things to watch, not what the ideal fan wanted to be watching at this point, but at the very least, you're seeing the wave of some of these prospects making their debuts now these last few weeks and a few guys that, you know, were kind of under the radar that have also emerged. You know, they're, you're writing a Charles LeBlanc feature for me, uh, you know, today. And, and uh, you know, that you've got, you know, J.J. Bladé's first few weeks in the majors. And, and uh, you know, who knows? Maybe, maybe a, a Gerard Encarnacion sighting uh, down the road to come back to. Who knows? And you completely forget about Peyton Burdick in his first home and run. Peyton Burdick, yeah, of course. So I'm gonna, oh, no, I didn't, I didn't want to like drag it on and on here because we're going to get into different guys. But, yeah, Peyton Burdick, first home run, you know, moments that you're seeing now, like, again, like the kind of like the the future guys you hope for are are, are getting their chances. And that's what it's going to be about for these last two months. So on that part of it, it's interesting on the overall side being double digits under 500 and, and and out of it at this point was not what they were planning. And and again, that big picture, big setback with, um, you know, kind of the, the leap that, that wasn't to be for, for, for this franchise this year. Yeah. As Dre mentioned, Marlins are 49, 59 time the recording. Marlins have an off day today before starting a three game series and with, with the Philadelphia Phillies at Citizen Bank Park. Interestingly enough, I'm in Philly already. I've been here for about six hours and have not had a cheesesteak yet, which I'm disappointed <laughs> in myself. What's wrong with you? Yeah, again, just... Wait, they can make a coffee run? You can't make a cheesesteak run? This isn't I, right. I can make a cheesesteak run. I just, for some reason, have not. I don't know why yeah. I have not, but I will be making several cheesesteak runs while I'm here through Thursday. So, All right, well yeah. done. But on that note, again... With the season where it is, with the record where it is, and with how the little time left, really not going to be talking much in-game details. It's going to be podcast this week and most likely the rest of the ones the rest of the way. Going to be highlighting individual performances, individual topics that are of substance for what happens the rest of the way and will be a pertinence moving on down the road. Uh, before we hop into all that, just need to quickly rehash the trade deadline because – our last podcast was the pre-trade deadline podcast. So now let's talk about what they did or rather what they didn't do at the deadline. The Marlins only made one move. They traded a pair of relievers, Zach Pop and Anthony Bass, to the Toronto Blue Jays for shortstop slash third baseman prospect Jordan Groshans. I'm 90% sure I got the pronunciation of his last name right. But anyway, he's... Guy who's up in AAA was the Blue Jays' first-round pick in 2018, the 12th overall pick, the pick right before the Marlins when they picked Connor Scott. And the Marlins said that Groshans was a guy who was on their radar back then, not really a power guy, line drive, gap-to-gap guy. Had a relatively down year by the time he got traded. The Marlins only hitting about 250 in AAA, a 22-year-old, so he is a little bit on the younger side for AAA. But – the main purpose for getting a guy like him was flipping from the area of quote unquote strength that the Marlins had, which was having a lot of bullpen arms, knowing a couple guys were coming back for a guy who gives them 
upper level infield depth in the system, which when you look at the Marlins where they are in terms of the organizational depth, all of their top hitters from including Blade, Burdick, who made their debuts, all of their main hitting prospect talent at AAA were outfielders. So to be able to get a guy like Groshans, whether he pans out or not, to have a guy who was a top 100 prospect to be in your system at AAA and make it so that you don't have to rush, say, the Nassim Nunez's and the Jose Devers's who are in AA right now in case, if something happens, it gives you that little bit of that buffer. It gives you a guy who's close to being ready and gives you just that organizational layer that they didn't have in the system. And it also starts prepping them for what could happen a couple years down the road. Miguel Rojas is is signed through next year. Joey Wendell only has one more year on his deal after this year, or one more year of team control, I should say. So it at least gives you an internal option as a fallback in case something happens to either Rojas or Wendell down the road, or if they don't make a move with replacing either of those guys, if they don't choose to keep them after next season. Plus it takes the pressure off Holloway being the only, not being the only other Jordan on the team, right? That is very true. Yeah, It gives me some competition in the Jordan front, too. So I'll take yeah. that. I was going to say, he won you over just for just for, on the first name alone. Uh, <laughs> that trade won you over. But no, but in all seriousness, yeah, that it's it's a move. Yes. Is, is, it a, is it a sexy, oh, my God, move? No, of course. But it's one that fits in a lot of ways of what you're saying right there, because that, this infield is going to be in flux for, you know, pretty soon i mean outside from aside from jazz being where he's supposed to be once he gets back once he gets his back healthy yeah i mean you look at this team right now middle infield yeah rojas we don't know where mickey's going to be down the road you know i mean i i think overall in that infield you know joey wendell has been great is he everyday guy though not ideally you do want him to have be in that mix where he can switch around with other guys. Brian Anderson's had his injury issues. You know, he's not signed long-term, so what's going to happen at third base? So there's a lot of so, – so it's good to have that extra layer there for sure. And, yeah, with those other guys that you talked about not being completely ready to go from the minors, you avoid that having to push too hard and, and, and maybe, you know, not properly handle, handle their development, especially guys – that you're now maybe starting to see a little more strides when it comes to their bat, like an Asim Nunez, you know, that's not, we're not thinking of him being an offensive powerhouse type of guy, but he has made strides and, but you need a guy like that to gradually get there and, and, and progress. And this allows you to. So in that sense, it was a good move in the grand scheme of things. Maybe the move that everybody wanted that maybe everybody was thinking they were going to see didn't happen, which was the Pablo move. But, you know, you have him now at least for next year, and now it becomes interesting. Does he? Is he? Do they ship him off in the off season with a similar deal? Maybe not the Yankees, maybe someone else. Or does this mean maybe you hang on to him a little longer? Still, kind of, still an arbitration guy. So we'll see. I mean, I looking at that deal, the the proposed trade that Barry and, and Craig reported. I mean, uh, could have happened, or at least was being talked about. I don't know. I don't know how much bringing Glaber Torres here, paying him more money, maybe him not hitting. I mean, it's not, not, he's not tearing the cover off the ball for the Yankees this year, but maybe you're, you're paying more, a more expensive guy to maybe not do what he does on the AL side. 
I don't know. I don't know if that would have been worth it losing the arm like Pablo. And then even on their side, you know, it was a it was kind of a big ask to think the Yankees were going to hand over a, a, a major prospect like an Anthony Volpe. So I mean, if they if they had, it would have been a great get for the Marlins, obviously, but they didn't want to do it. So that, that to me was interesting that that kind of that permutation was kind of being floated around, but maybe for the best for both sides. Yeah, definitely. And on that Pablo front, the Marlins are gambling on themselves with it. I mean, obviously the move, unless they got the offer they wanted, there was no need or pressure to trade Pablo Lopez at the deadline because he is, he's under team control for two more years. The main thing now is if he's able to finish the season, which is a big ask considering the fact that he's three starts into the second half of the season is already the farthest he's pitched into the second half of the season without an injury. He's already at his career highs in innings pitched, career high in games started, career high in strikeouts. If he's able to find a way to get through the final two months without a significant drop-off, if he's able to hold steady, maybe even if there is a tick back in production as he gets into his uncharted territory, if he's able to stay through the season. Come December, once winter meetings roll around, still has two years of team control. The value should theoretically tick up a little bit if he can show he can finish a full season. And that bodes in the Marlins' favor if that's able to happen. But again, on the flip side, if you see, if he turns into the Pablo that we've seen before where the shoulder starts acting up again, it just continues to raise that one flag of is he durable enough to merit a contender reaching out and trying to get him for a postseason push if he's not able to get to the postseason. So it's the balance there, but also at the very least, the Marlins get to see through the duration of the season, they have the rotation intact. I mean, Sandy and Pablo are the one-two punch. Jesus Lazardo's looked great in his two starts back. Slayers won on Sunday, seven shutout innings, only one hit, one only one hit and one walk. Had a no-hitter going going in through, I think it was into the fifth. Uh Edward Cabrera had five no-hit innings in his first start back. So you look at Sandy, Pablo, Lazardo, Cabrera, even with Trevor Rogers going through his lumps, he's on the IL right now. He starts a rehab assignment on Tuesday. Still have those four guys plus Braxton Gary, who's made strides this year. So, yeah. and it's just the matter of uh, finally seeing this young rotation, which has been the backbone of the rebuild. If they're able to keep that core together or at least show that they're able to have, they still have that intact. If at least have part of the equation, even if it's not with that permutation that we saw at the beginning of the year, and you're able to see some of the other arms and the other options, which if all these guys pan out, it makes it a little bit easier if they end up moving on from Pablo to show that they still have the other options. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. How much depth do they still have pitching-wise overall, not just at the major league level, but even in the minors? We've seen some changes to that, you know, got through whether it's through injuries or – guys that you're expecting to do well that have regressed a little bit or have had some issues like a Trevor. I mean, if they could find a way when Trevor gets healthy to fix his issues, that's only a plus going in the next season, whether he comes back at the end of this year or he just fixes everything and comes back kind of like the guy he was next year. Obviously that'd be huge, especially if you do deal Pablo to someone else for Pablo himself, starting with him, you want to see that for himself to finish the year strong for his own career, hasn't been able to do that. This could take him to another to another higher level as a pitcher, whether he, whether he stays here or whether he goes somewhere else. 
just to have that, to be able to say, okay, I got through a year, I pitched whatever it ends up being, 150, 160, one, you know, whatever amount of innings, and, I, and I'm fine. My arm isn't messed up going into the offseason. I don't have to worry about rehabbing this, that, you know, because the shoulder can give you issues ongoing throughout a career once you've had them. So this would be big for him, no doubt about it. But think about it. Then you have, if you can go in the next season with the vision of having, let's say, Sandy, him, Cabrera, if you could somehow fix Trevor, that's already four. And then if Lozardo continues to do, because he did really well against Chicago, if he could bottle that. He's had a few starts like that this year. So there is there is stuff to work with there, unlike last year before where he was struggling big time. Now he at least has shown those flashes. You're, you have, at least in theory, like a working five with a couple other fringe pieces to kind of think about. And then that kind of gets you a little further while you're waiting for, you know, Yuri Perez to be ready to go down the road in about a year or so, something like that, you know. So that, that's where, again, that pitching depth gets better and you can turn your attention back to trying to pad the hitters, which there still is like the big problem overall in the organization is finding, you know, even if it's not another jazz, but finding guys that are talented, impactful hitters that can do damage. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, and Marlins are trying to see what they have with some of those young hitters right now. As you mentioned at the top of the episode, just the guys who have made their debuts and been called up, J.J. Bode a couple weeks back, Charles LeBlanc, uh, Peyton Burdick over the last week, uh, Lewin Diaz finally getting some opportunity. And yep. I'm also very interested to see how, since the Marlins didn't trade Gary Cooper or Jesus Aguilar, the fact that you have all three of those guys up here right now, and the matter of how you split the time between, you need, you know, you want to see what you what you have from Lewin, who is, I don't even think there is an argument he is the best defensive first baseman out of those three, but Smooth. also, but also knowing that you have the financial obligations of the Aguilar and Coopers, yeah. And the interesting part about it is, I asked Kim Ang about that right to the deadline. What the plan is moving forward with those three? Her response was. I need to talk with Don. I need to talk with Donnie about that. We need to figure it out. Fast forward a couple of days. I asked Don Mattingly about it, and he goes, "I still need to figure out with Kim what they want to do with this." So it's just a matter of you're being deflected, my friend. You're being yeah, that's, that's all smokescreen. Yeah, you know, but it's the double deflection, and it's again they've rotated all three of them so far throughout this week since the deadline. Now that Cooper is now that Cooper got activated from the IL on Wednesday, and. It's going to be interesting to see, like I said, how they split it over the last two months since Lewin feels like the only one who's guaranteed to be part of this beyond the end of the season. 
Yeah. So it, the kids. Yeah. I think they have to play the kids. I, I get it contractually. There, it's not that easy to say. But if you're going to err on the side of who gets the highest percentage of that, let let Lewin be that guy that gets the highest percentage of however however split you work out between the three. I mean the DH obviously, right? I mean one of them yep. can be one of the other two can be, you know, platoon the DH and have Lewin playing first for the most part. You know, I mean not every you're not going to be able to do that every single day, but. For the most part, get the kid his swings, get the kid his reps at first. He is smooth there at first base. So I mean, much fun he's to fun watch. to watch. Definitely, <laughs> exactly. I mean, night and day compared to compared to the others. To be honest, on the defensive end, so he needs to get as many at bats as possible the rest of this season, like the other like the other young guys, because that's that's what's left. That's what's left. You gotta you gotta make sure those guys are as as developed and ready to go going into twenty twenty three. To make another to make another run at this, yeah. And the other two main young guys, Peyton Burke and JJ Bleday, they're getting everyday playing time right now, and they have injuries to credit for. I mean, Jorge Soler's on the IL with back spasms. With Don Mattingly, after when Soler was initially put on the IL, wasn't really given the timetable, and then on Tuesday, Donnie said, "Yeah, this is something that's going to be long term." So it's looking like uh, Soler. Who knows when yeah. we see him again? And then Oxel yeah. Garcia went on the IL with a hamstring injury. So with the fact that those two guys are on the IL and that they optioned Jesus Sanchez to AAA, which I'll get into him in a second, it frees up JJ to get the bulk of the reps at center field, Peyton to be able to play either of the corners, De La Cruz gets the other spot. So you're getting to see the three main young guys who are here getting the outfield reps. Burdick started all three games in Chicago. He went, I think it was two for nine, but it was, yeah, two for nine with the home run. He drew two walks. He struck out five times, but if I remember correctly, two or three of those strikeout ABs were five, six, seven, eight pitches. So he's getting the lengthy at-bats, even though the results weren't there, and finally was able to drop a single into left field in the sec- in his second game on Saturday, and then had no doubt of a home run on Sunday. And then J.J. Bleday, I need to actually pull up his numbers, but they're giving him as much run as possible in center field, and he's looked smooth defensively, which to me was the biggest question. We knew that he's productive with his at-bats. He has the approach. But to see that he's comfortably playing well in center field and was doing that at a ballpark like Long Depot Park, to me that was a big plus to see because otherwise he would have been having to ride the Jesus Sanchez, Brian Gale Cruz, platoon out there which we've saw how that had been working yeah look Dela Cruz is kind of you know similar to birdie he's like the, he's like you're kind of like your utility guy out there I think he's he's a solid outfielder but again it, it, it goes back to you know playing the kids these offseason moves these offseason outfielder moves have been a fail whether poor performance or injury you know, you peg the reason however you want, but the bottom line is they were a fail overall, you know, and, and you have to regroup from that. And the way you do that right now is by playing, like you said, by playing Blade, by giving him as many at-bats as possible, give Burdick as many at-bats as possible. If Gerard comes up soon, same thing. Whoever, whoever you can, that's part of the future of this team to get going over these last, you know, close to two months, whatever's left. You know, and then you reevaluate. You get into the when you get into the off season, you know, winter meetings and such. 
you see, you see what you can. Maybe you know that's when the buzz is going to begin again about you know teams are going to teams are going to knock and check in on Pablo and who you know whoever else. You see what you got. You see what you got there in terms of what you can add to this team because you know. But again, it, it, it's hard not to deviate and think. You know, here we go again. The you know here it is on repeat again. But you know, but 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 focusing on that, it's. It's all you can do. It's all you can do as a franchise at this point, you know, barring any the rest of this the rest of the season is also gonna be interesting in terms of personnel because like like we've talked about, you know, who's the manager of this team next year? Yep. You know, that's the other big question. Does Don come back? I mean, and that's a team thing. Does the mm-hmm. team bring him back? Because his his contract's running out if I'm not mistaken. This is yeah, this is the last year of his deal. So it's yeah, I mean I know you know, I know he says I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to feel. That's great, but you know, yeah. it's also up to the team. Yeah, that's if kind they of want the, it's putting the cart before the horse. Those exactly. Times. Yeah, and you know, you do it with respect. He's done. You know, oh, he's yeah. considering all the 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 challenges. Let's just put it. Hats off to what he's been able to do, and 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 how more than anything, how he's he's always a class act with everything and everyone, but. A decision has to be made, you know, and this is where going back to the the, the project we did, you and I did back in, of, you know, story the start of the season. Mm-hmm. We're already past that point where most, at least successful rebuilds, flip and go to that one manager that gets them over the top. Rarely did they. We we said how they they're one of the few times we've seen where a guy sticks past year four, year five that went through the rebuild process. So is this the point where they move on from him? And who is that guy? Is he already here? If it's James Rousen, or is it someone that they go out and get and entrust with, can you take us over that next hill toward maybe becoming a, a true playoff contender? You know, we'll see. That's going to be one of the most interesting topics to follow. Yep. And it's just with where we're on season, it's going to come sooner than later. I mean, Still hard to believe it's already August. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's gonna be days. Are, I'm sorry, there's gonna be days that are gonna drag. Yep. There's gonna be, and they're already happening. We've seen some of these games where it's like, ooh, yeah. and especially <laughs> some of these scoreless droughts they get on. Yeah. But that's a and byproduct. Also, of, and also, yeah. just reminded, just reminding myself that Saturday's doubleheader at home by design. The design, by design because of that, uh, because because of of that late the schedule. Yeah. Yep. So, and it's. Yeah. Interesting because again, it's I think it's actually the first time I cover a split doubleheader where it's the one o'clock, seven o'clock. Yeah, so you got that's where you you wish you could uh go and grab a bite and come back to the ballpark later, kind of thing, but (laughs) a little too complicated in that. uh, Yeah, but my reward for that reward, I guess, is the way you can say it is that's the last thing I cover on that homestand. I'm I'm only doing Friday, Saturday this week. Yeah, that's right, because uh, somebody else is doing the Sunday game. Yeah. Yeah. Wonder who that person could be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I wonder who. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm glad I'm doing the Padres game the week after. That ought to be fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. It's Juan be, Soto. Yep. Gets. Yep. He returns about a month earlier than he was supposed to. It's not. It would. It would have either been then or when the Nationals came in September. Which, again, how about that trade, man? I mean, you look at with Tatis coming back on a rehab assignment now. When you look at what that lineup's gonna be, him, Machado, Bell, Soto, they locked up Musgrove. They don't beat LA now. They never will. 
Kind yeah, of fun. and and the, the road in the net and the road out there still goes through LA. I mean, yeah. AL obviously the Astros still strong. The Yankees are doing what they're doing, yeah. but but their yeah. nemesis is right in their backyard, right yeah. there. So yeah, it's Dodgers and then the Yankees that now or the Mets. Sorry, wow, wrong New York team. The Mets yeah. now they finally have both Scherzer and Degrom back. Yeah. They're still in a, in, a, in a confined in a in a small window like a playoff series. You can't discount how dangerous they're going to be. And I'll I'll admit when I'm off, it's starting to look like they actually may actually win this division. And I and I've been one of the the haters on that. I've been one of the doubters, thinking Atlanta's going to any day now. Atlanta's going to take over. Atlanta's going to take over. They got close. They pulled away in a game and a half. And to the Mets' then, credit, the big stiff arm. Yeah, this past weekend. Yeah, this, yeah, this series. Weekend, yeah. 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 I mean, hey, have you know, tip of the cap. They actually are uh, proving that they're not the they're not the same old dysfunctional Mets that are that I mean, there's still there's still two months left, but the signs are and they have collapsed. I mean, the Marlins themselves kicked them out one year. Remember when they blew a seven game lead in like the last three weeks That's of the right. season. But barring that catastrophe from repeating itself, they are showing signs of truly being a, a, a legit playoff team and a legit division title winner, if they can hang on. And, and yeah, with those two up, up at, the, at the top of the rotation, if they're healthy, dangerous playoff team. Yep. No doubt about it. And I think that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Fish Bites, everyone. I'm Jordan. He's Andre. We will be back again next week. <laughs>